Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. Well, I'm thrilled to be with you today. And I've, um, I actually prayed before I came, which is pretty good, eh? It's a good start. Yeah. And I said, Lord, I really want to, I don't want to go down empty handed. I want to, I want to take a word from you for the church. And um, I really felt that he's given me a word for you this morning. So I, I'm going to encourage you to really lean into that and uh, to engage with what God's doing. Because I do believe that God wants to do something spectacular in, in and through you as a church. And you're the church. Hey, but before we go there, I just want to show you a video for a moment. overcomes the enemy and I want to stir you up to go you can't you can have a pretty theme but you can't access the next stage without a lean in factor it requires an expectation an activated hope No matter the persecution, the words that may come, because they know they're called. I believe that the Christians who will live the greatest adventure will be those who are prepared to get out of safety and security and to go through that open door, that opportunity that God gives to us. But I don't have to go searching. You don't have to go searching for Him. He's right here. You're responding to His invitation to come up. We just had a fantastic time at a SEND conference a couple of weeks ago. And the SEND conference is Activates Conference. I want to invite you personally to come next year. Come to Hamilton. Come for the weekend. It'll be fantastic. Hamilton's the best place on the earth, other than Christchurch. And um, a big part of my heart is here. And, um, and, and why don't you come up, make a weekend? It could be like a church camp. You all come, you guys hang out, we do all the work. Easy. And um, God really, he really moved in people's lives. And uh, I think it's so special, those Sila moments where you take time out of your world just to get in the presence of God and let God speak to you and do what he wants to do in your world. Are really, really powerful. So why don't you, next March, come up. Our theme was Ascend this year. I was um, having takeaways the other day and I read the side of the box and I said to Jan, we could call uh, our conference that next year. It said, 100% char-grilled. I thought it's the opposite to a send, isn't it? But anyway, yeah, you'll get it. Come on, you're a little bit. Anyway. Okay, so here we go. Father, I thank you that you, by your spirit, you're in this room. I thank you that when we came in, you came in. That you're in us, you're on us, you work through us. I thank you that you reside in the praises of your people and I ask that you would give each one of us now the ability to open our hearts and our ears spiritually to hear what you want to say to us this morning. I ask that you'd help us refrain from 
thinking about the person on our left or right when you're speaking, but you would give us the ability and the humility this morning to apply what you're saying to ourselves so that we can walk passionately with you and outwork your purposes in Jesus' name. Amen. So I said, Lord, what do you want to say to the church? And I felt he said this. He said it very clearly, actually. It is bigger than you. It is bigger than you. So I said, Lord, we need to unpack that a little bit. And that's what I will attempt to do with you in the next few minutes. Lord, what are you saying to the church in Christchurch, the Activate Church Christchurch this morning? You're saying, he is saying, it is bigger than you. It is a statement, but it's also an invitation. It's bigger than you. I felt directed to Acts chapter 2, verse 17, which reads like this through to about 21. It says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below and fire and clouds and smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I said, Lord, what has that got to do with this is bigger than you? This is what I felt. The first part is his deal. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit. That's him. We can't do that. We can't manufacture that. We can position ourselves in the right place to connect with him and those kind of things, but we can't manufacture an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Only God can do that. That's his thing. But then he gets down to verse 21 and it says, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, that's your thing. Not be saved, that's his thing, but everyone is our thing. But everyone. How will everyone hear? Through us. We're the mouthpiece of God. In this place, at this time, wherever God has put you, whatever you're doing for work or study or anything else, you, are, you, you may be the closest thing that those people around you will ever see to Jesus. He's put you there. So this thing is bigger than you. This thing is about us being ambassadors of the kingdom wherever we are. And as Christians, we love coming together. We love worshiping. We love being in the presence of God together. We love like this morning, the environment. But it's bigger than that because it's bigger than you. You're here for a purpose. God's got you here for a purpose. You're on an assignment from the King of Kings, the Lord of all lords, and he's got stuff for you to do. I will pour out my spirit, he says, because that's his part of the deal. And he's going to, and he is. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How many everyones do you know? I know a few. Everyones. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Only God can save. It is a gift that is freely available to us all. To be connected with God, to walk in relation, is, a, is an incredible gift that I pray we never get tired of, that we never underestimate the value of it. Only God can do that part, but the everyone, he's talking to us. 
saying, okay, church, I've got work for you to do, and here's the deal. It's outside these walls. This is our, you know, we talk in, in Activate Culture about this is our orange break in a kid's football game. We come together, pat each other back on the back. Well done, you're doing good. Let's go. Let's, you know, I know you got knocked around a bit in that first half, but we'll be all right. We'll keep going. Have a drink. Get refreshed. Go again. Go again. But the real game's out there. That's where God's placed us. He's what he's, and he's placed us to do some amazing things out there. I want to read from Luke 11. Uh, sorry, Luke 19, and um, I just need to find it. Luke 19, it's an amazing passage here. And I think there's a real challenge of God in here. And I believe this morning that if you will allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, He wants to shift you. That's what I'm believing. I'm believing that you're actually going to leave a little different than what you came in. You won't look different. Well, you might look different. Um, could look like me. You won't, I don't think you look different, um, but you might feel different. And I believe if you respond to God, you will be different. I think he wants to move us this morning. The, um, the parable here is a really interesting parable. It's a parable that Jesus told to bring correction to the disciples. You see, they all thought that Jesus was going to come back, that the kingdom of God was going to just like roll out and everything was going to happen immediately. And so Jesus tells this parable to say, hey guys, it's not actually quite as you think it's going to be. It's going to take a bit longer, so I need to set you up so you live the life that I'm calling you to live. Don't just sit there and do nothing. Don't just sit on your hands and wait for me to come back because that's not the life of a disciple. That may be the life of a believer or a consumer Christian, but it's not the life of a disciple. So he's saying, guys, I want you on the front foot. I'm going to tell you a story about what being on the front foot looks like. Then he launches into this scripture. He says, um, we're at Luke 19, verse 11. The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said, and because he was near Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct their impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. He said, a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Before he left, he called together 10 of his servants and divided among them 10 pounds of silver, saying, invest this for me while I'm gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we do not want you to be our king. After he was crowned king, didn't change anything. After he was crowned king, he returned and called the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. He first, uh, the first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made 10 times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You're a good servant. You have been faithful with little and uh, the, the little I entrusted to you. So you will be governor over 10 of the cities as a reward. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. Well done. The king said, you'll be governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said to the king, Master, I hid your money and I kept it safe. I was afraid because you're a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. You're In your own words, you've condemned yourself. If you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why, did you deposit my, why didn't you deposit the money in the bank? At least you would have gotten some interest. Then he turned to the others standing nearby and he said, 
Take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has the 10 pounds. But master, they said, he already has 10 pounds. Yes, the king replied, and to those who use well what is given to them, even more will be given. But to those who do not do anything, even what little they have will be taken away. And as for these enemies of mine who didn't want to be didn't want me to be their king, bring them to me and execute them right here in front of me. That's savage, that last line, eh? Execute them right here in front of me. Anyway, I think God's speaking very clearly to the church here. He's saying one of two things. In the context of of, um, how I believe he's speaking to the church in New Zealand at the moment, he's either saying, my return is imminent. That means like very soon. Or he's saying, hey church, you're not quite where I want you to be. I need you to make some adjustments. One of the two. Now, his return could be imminent. I don't know. That's like way above my pay grade. Only the father knows that. But I do know and have a strong conviction that God is trying to shift his church onto the page that he wants us at the moment. And it's a different page. I actually believe, my personal belief is, and don't quote me, well, you can if you like, but I could be wrong. But I believe that in 100 years, commentators will write about this period of history and they will say this is the greatest reformation that the church ever went through. That's what I believe will happen. And and in the middle of it here, we don't quite know what any of that looks like, but what we do know is God is saying we need to do things different. We need to change the way we operate as the church to fulfill his mandate on us as the church. I'm sure he's saying that. I'm sure he's saying is uh, adjustment is required. Let's make the adjustment that he's asking for and live in a place of readiness. And I think he's also saying, don't get caught up in the trap that it's all about me. Because it's not. It's so much bigger than me. It's so much bigger than you. It's so much bigger than us. So much bigger. So, To me, that seems to be pretty clear. I was a little troubled um, as I read the passage for a while that uh, it's called the parable of the 10 servants and then he mentions 10 and then he only talks about three. I thought, what's that about? But as I've done some homework on it, I've landed in a place I'm comfortable that, that the three are actually three different groups of people. The three different groups of people, there's the first the first group, uh, because the, the number 10, 10 servants, means many, biblically. It means many. And to give them 10 pounds is much money. So let's say there's three groups of people. The first group is the 10 talent people. They were given 10 or 10 pounds, 10 dollars, and they did really, really well with it. In fact, they did amazing with it. I don't know whether they were just high capacity people, they were really smart investors or what it was, but they did exceedingly well. They, they took their 10, they multiplied it by 10 times and they brought it back to the king and how did the king respond? Well done. He said, awesome. You have done so good. The second group of people is five. The five. And they went and they came with, with the five, you know, they got five times the return. Now, I don't know why they got five times the return. Maybe they had a few issues. Maybe their their natural capacity to be able to return on what was given to them wasn't as high. Maybe they had a few failures along the way, but they they still returned five times what they were given. And what did the king say to them? Well done. He said, awesome. You've done really, really well. I gave you and you've returned five 
which is amazing. Then there's the third group. And they did nothing. This group had a poor attitude, a poor confession, a poor application, a poor work ethic, and poor results. And what did the king say to them? Oh, you could have tried a bit harder? No, no, the scripture says, he roared at them. You wicked servants, wicked servants. God doesn't like waste. He doesn't like us not doing anything with what we've been given. One of the the revelations I live with is the gift of salvation is free. By God's grace and by God's grace alone. alone. You can't do anything to earn coming into relationship with Jesus. You can't do anything to earn having your sin forgiven. It's by God's grace and completely by God's grace. Is that good news? I think that's good news. It's great news, isn't it? It's fantastic. You can, all you can do is receive the gift. But once we've received the gift of salvation, God expects a return on our lives. That's what this parable is about. The gift of salvation is completely free. You can't earn it. And and don't get that bit wrong. If you get that bit wrong, it really wrecks everything. That bit, completely free. By the confession of our mouths and belief in our heart, we're saved. We're connected with God. Relationship is formed. Completely free. Doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, who you are. That bit is, I confess it. Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in my heart, Romans 10, that he rose from the grave on the third day and I am saved. In other words, the slate is, is wiped clean. I start again. I'm in relationship with Jesus. My eternity is secure and I get to walk with him all of this life. Good, we're all on that page. Great. But that's the gift. But then there's an expectation here that we do something with what we've been given. Now, you may not have been given £10 or $10 or $5, but you've been given a life. And the expectation is on our life. The reward system is absolutely incredible. If God gives me 10 and I make 10 times, I now have 110. Yes? Thank you. Guys weren't so good at math. Over 110? And the reward is? Hey, I'm going to make you governor over all the towns of Canterbury. That's quite a good deal. I like that. That's pretty cool, eh? God's economy, it is amazing. It's incredible. So the deal is, though, he expects us to invest our lives in stuff that builds the kingdom. We are ambassadors of the kingdom. There is a disease in the church, and I'm not speaking to you directly, but you're included in the church. There is a disease in the New Zealand church called consumerism. And that means that we make church all about me. It's what I like. My opinions matter. Actually, our opinions don't matter. The only thing that matters is the word of God. But we make it all about us. I don't like that song. You guys, I could hear you singing, tremendous singers. So that's not you. Yeah, I didn't like that song. Why do they paint green on the walls, for goodness sake? Because green is God's colour, that's why. Yeah, thank you, good. (laughs) So, church isn't about us. We come together on a Sunday, and in a way it is about us because it's to encourage us and everything else. 
but it's bigger than you. It's bigger than this. It's bigger than now. It's about what God's got for us and He wants your life to make a return. I don't know about you, but when I step into heaven's gates, I really, really want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. I gave you this and you worked your way. You know, I reckon it would be better to arrive in heaven and God said, so how did you do? And I'd say, well, you gave me this and I worked my butt off and I made a few mistakes and this happened and that happened and we end up with a mess. And he goes, what do you got to show? And I go, got nothing, but I did try hard. I think that would be a better story than I sat on my hands and did nothing. I think he'd go, well, you made a few mistakes. You're a plonker, Sheridan. There, but that's better than having him roar at me. You wicked servant. And I think God is mobilizing his church at the moment. That's what I think he's doing. He's mobilizing our church outside of the walls to be the people he's called us to be where we are, doing what we're doing. Your mission field is where you are tomorrow. That's where it is doing what God's asked us to do. So I think we're in a very significant time of history as far as that goes. And what God, he's always always asked us to do that, but I think we're in a very significant time. And he's asking us to live in a place of readiness. In other words, to get our lives onto his page, to live according to his purposes and to do what he's asked us to do. And if I was to break that down into a way that every single person could understand it, he's saying to his church, Wake up, wake up, come on, wake up. The season's changing, wake up. I've called you to do this, now do this. Yes, this was free, but I've got a job for you to do. So wake up. And our response needs to be simply, Lord, I'm awake and I'm doing it, or else I'm sitting on my hands. I think if we are wise, we will respond to Him. I think if we're wise, we will hear what the Spirit is saying and say, okay, Lord, if that's what you're asking, that's great. I know it's uncomfortable. No one said it was going to be easy. He said, take up your cross and follow me daily. Uh, I think, think we've confused living the life of a disciple with the process of salvation. Salvation is a free gift to us. Therefore, the life of a disciple is cruisy and free and costs us nothing. But he said, no, no. This part, yes, free. This part's actually going to cost you everything. That's what he wants. Everything. He wants all of your days. If you're still breathing, you haven't given everything yet. True. If if we're breathing, we're not done. If we're breathing, our purpose isn't done. There's still stuff for us to do. Otherwise, you know, you could have said, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And he goes, beam him up, Scotty. And we were there. That was the purpose. But that's obviously not the purpose or the whole purpose because we're still here. And we're called to live the life that he's called us to live. And we're called to live a productive life for the kingdom. I wonder what that looks like for you. I wonder what he's called you to specifically. I wonder where he's placed you. I wonder who the people are around you, that you are a voice of influence, that you're the voice of Jesus into their world. Who's around you and you're carrying the miracle for their life? Who's around you that's desperately lost and they just need you to actually go, look this way instead of that way. Look to Jesus and it'll change everything because those people are around us. They're around each one of us. I've written a question. Are you investing your life 
so that it's producing a return for the king. Kira, do you want to come back to the keys? That would be great. Thank you. Are you investing your life so it's producing a return for the king? It's a great question to ask. Not, not necessarily a comfortable question, but it's a great question. And here's where I, th- I think we actually need to take a few moments because some of us need to repent. Repent means I'm walking this way and now I'm going to turn, I'm going to walk a different way because some of us are just simply coasting. You know, the gift was free, so life should be free too. Some of us are just flowing in that. That's not the way of the kingdom. Some of us are probably squandering the gifts on our lives. You know, I, I would say in a room with this many people, there's people who could stand there and do this a whole lot better than I can. But you just got to throw yourself into the purposes of God. Some people are squandering the gift of God and what He's given them. There's, there's others of us in this room, we'll just be ignoring it, hoping that if we don't listen, that nudge, that conviction, that inner voice just goes away and stops asking. There'll be others of us that we know God said go this way. So we're doing a Jonah. We're going this way. You see, you read through the Bible and you look at these people and you go, boy, some of these fellows in the Bible are clowns, eh? But the, but the truth is they're all humans. They all suffer from this condition called humanity. Same as us. You don't have to look too hard in the Bible to find yourself. That's what I've discovered. Maybe some are just simply hiding. I'm scared, God. I'm scared. What does it mean if I step into that? There'll be others of us in this room and we're just really trying our absolute best. And there'll be others in the room that have made the faith journey all about ourselves. And the message of God, the prophetic message I'm carrying today is it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than this room. It's bigger than this church. It's bigger than this city. But we're called to be part of it. It's amazing. I would like us to take a few minutes to respond to God this morning, to refocus, to realign our lives. Because I've discovered that it's one thing to come into His presence in church and worship wholeheartedly but it's another thing to walk out the door and be obedient to what He's called me to do and who He's called me to be. Again, it's the human condition. And this morning, I would like to make this like an altar. An altar is a place where God alters your life. And I'd like to make it a place of surrender. And we could simply put our hands in the air and nod and go, yes, God, we'd do that. But I really feel stirred that sometimes we've just got to get out of our seats. And we've got to get before God and go, God, I need some help getting this thing on track. I've made it all about me, but it's bigger than me. God, I'm not doing what you've asked me to do. God, I am hiding from you. God, I'm squandering what you get. Whatever it is, Lord, I'm coming to the altar and I'm asking you to alter me and help me get back on track. Help me make a decision today that I can live by when I leave. A decision today that will impact Monday. 
for your glory and for your purposes. And you know, if I'm to be 100% honest with you, I'll be the first one down here. Because there's stuff in my world where I go, oh Lord, that just seems a little bit hard. Well, that just seems like that might cost a little bit much. He goes, I'm not, I don't, I don't ask you to justify it, Sheridan. I just want you to be obedient. Can I ask you to stand to your feet for a moment? We always say that, stand to your feet. How else are you going to stand? Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to every person in this building. Holy Spirit, that you would take hold of our hearts today, our minds, that we would be open to you causing and bringing a shift in our world. And that you would stir us and you would shift us to resolve to walk your way. It's bigger than us. I ask Holy Spirit that you would release courage in this room for people to do business with you this morning in Jesus' name. If God is speaking to you any way about making change, why don't you come to this altar and just take a few moments here. Say, Lord, I want to get things in line. I want to do things your way. I want to, it's more than me. I want to say yes and amen to the life that you've called me to. Why don't you come out of your seats right now? I really encourage you to move if God's stirring your heart because moments like this change destiny.